0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So there's quite a bit to discuss, partially because I haven't really done any kind of news and notes type stuff since I don't know when. We had the interview, we had the mock draft, I took the weekend off, so maybe Friday? So I want to hit on a couple little notes, and then... Kind of a lot of stuff has been happening, and so we're just going to rip through a bunch of information, and that's going to be how this goes. Some of it you probably don't care as much about, but we're going to talk about it for a second, and, um, you know, we'll kind of build up to the good stuff. Sound good to you? Okay. So, first of all, thank you very much to David, Dustin, and Eric for jumping in on Patreon. I don't know what I said yesterday to inspire everyone, but there was a flurry of uh, support, so... Um, maybe everyone should go back and listen to yesterday's episode again, and see if you can see if you can get inspired as well. No, but thank you guys for jumping in on that. Again, we got the uh, t-shirt giveaway. It's for this month. You'll be getting it next month. But you got to be in on Patreon. You can do it for as little as a buck. And again, my big push right now is the Facebook page. If you're in the group, you should like the page. I didn't get any more videos out yesterday. It was a little too chaotic. But um, I'm hoping to try to grind out as many as I possibly can, which, considering the draft is tomorrow, probably not going to get too many more out. But we'll, we'll talk about wide receivers in particular, because Goode had, in that big, long interview that I listened to that was just horrible, to, the audio was, how is it so bad? The interviews that I do, the one that I did with Mark Jarvis, that's Skype. How is it these guys have no capability of just making audio sound? What, what is the problem? I couldn't hear half of what he said. There are certain rumors going on about what Gudekun said in his interview. I never even heard it. I don't know what they're talking about. And I'm certainly not going back to listen to it again. I just, I, there was questions I couldn't hear. There was answers I couldn't. It's just the worst. I mean, I understand we're on lockdown, but dude, it is 2020. The telephone was invented a long time ago. We've, we've got a lot of technology since then. You can't record a person's voice and make it sound good. Speaking of, since I'm complaining about stuff, Whoever is in charge of these NFL teams' websites, Packers.com is my least favorite Packers site in the world. Nothing works. I try to get these videos and these audio things to work. It just it never works. Multi-gajillion dollar enterprise, and you guys can't make a website that isn't horrible. I just don't understand. Anyways, enough of that. Jim says no complaining, so I'm going to be positive um, and uplifting, and I am here to inspire you. From from starting in about fifteen minutes. <laughs> gotta have a cooldown period. Anyways, yeah, I think I think that's about it. That's about all there is. Uh, make sure you leave a rating review if you like the show. Because the show tends to be buried on places like iTunes and Google and everything else. When somebody stumbles on something and they see a logo that just says Pack Daddy, I should probably change that. They're just like, Yeah, this looks dumb. Right? It's the fifteenth show down. You gotta have some way of knowing like, oh no, this is actually a, a legit show that a lot of people listen to and like. And uh, ratings and reviews are kind of the best way that I can get that message out. So if you wouldn't mind, that'd be stupendous. Um, I think that's enough begging for today. I don't know if you heard me, by the way, but the draft is tomorrow. This horrible, um, technologically glitched thing that we're doing is, uh, is going to happen tomorrow. And And to compound the issues, I'm planning on having some kind of a little stream myself. And I'm sure that's going to... so it's going to be me recording myself which I don't think I'm going to be on it because I don't even have a webcam on this new computer. But it's going to be compounding my technical issues, recording their technical issues. It's going to be just layers of goodness. All that so we can watch the Packers trade out of the round. It's going to be just glorious. But anyways, let's take a break and launch into some of this stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com/packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com/packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Mr. Linebacker, Jake Ryan, went over to the Ravens. The only reason I kind of care outside of him being a former Packer is I'm kind of curious how he's going to do. Because again, he wasn't that terrible. I don't think anybody's going to like him because he doesn't really have much coverage ability. But as far as just being a big thumping guy in the middle, I mean, he went to the the Jaguars last year and I was curious even then, like, I wonder how he's going to do. I hope he does fairly well, but he was basically hurt the whole year. So I'm I'm still kind of tracking him to see how he does. And he's going to a fantastic defense which is weird because, I, you know, it's one of those situations kind of like the Chiefs where you look at the roster and go, eh, it's okay, but the production is, is solid. It's kind of the opposite of what we've had with the Packers, to be completely honest. Not complaining about the Packers' defense, they did a good job, but pound for pound in terms of measuring up the talent, how, how good you did compared to the talent you have, big round of applause to the Baltimore Ravens for um, pulling off a pretty special thing um jason spriggs is officially gone i've been talking about him and the possibility about you know maybe maybe this is gonna work out maybe he's not as terrible not that he's ever really been good but i you know again i think he has been improving and nobody's really picked up on it but now we don't have to worry about it i don't think it was ever really going to be a super good option but because things are not looking great right now i thought well it doesn't hurt to keep him around but Packers decided not to. Maybe they would have picked him back up, depending on, similar to Tremont, looking at, uh, we'll see what happens in the draft. And, uh, you know, if we don't hit on a tackle early enough, maybe we'll bring him back just as a safety net. But we don't have to worry about it anymore. He's the Bears' problem now. As far as draft stuff, I think I've already touched on this just in other contexts, probably going through the, uh, the mock draft and other things. But there's two Mims rumors that kind of coincide. I still can't wrap my head around it. I still think he's going to fall because I still don't think he's that good, although teams are going to get enamored with size and speed nonsense. That's 40 speed, not play speed, because he doesn't have any play speed. But anyways, I, I sw- we're going to we're going to draft Mims. I'd, Gutekunst is on a warpath just to make me angry, and we're going to touch on that in a little bit. So if he drafts Mims, this is just going to be... Then I know he listens to the show, and his only goal with that team is to use it to make me angry. That's that's his entire purpose for running that team, is to spite me. So it's just a theory I'm working with. We'll, we'll see how it fleshes out uh, in the near future here. But um, there's talk about Denzel Mims possibly going as early as Denver slash Oakland, or <laughs> the, Raver, the Ravers. The Ravers. Why not? The Las Vegas Raiders... Uh, the second rumor was that talks about why is he dropping the ball so much while well, apparently he had a broken hand. And so if that is your concern and you find out through medicals that he had a banged-up hand and you maybe, I don't know if you 100% take that away, in other words, you're not going to say he didn't have any drops, you maybe still has some issues with it, but you don't look at that as, as big of an issue, um, then, yeah, you probably bump him up your board a little bit. I, st- I, just, I just don't believe that that's going to be a thing, man. Denzel Mims is a good tight end type receiver. I, again, if you want to see my thoughts on a lot of the—I think I've done seven wide receivers as well as Raquan Davis—get in the Facebook group, like the Facebook page. That was my final assessment of Denzel Mims. He is a big tight end. He does a good job with his body of boxing people out and using his size and his frame to, um, you know, create separation in that way. And again, that's fine— but you can get a lot of big receivers and teach them how to do that. T. Higgins and everybody else. The thing is, they're not creating separation with their routes because he, I don't think he's a great route runner. He's not creating separation with his speed because he doesn't show any speed on the field. He is a box him out and, you know, using... And it, it it is somewhat of an art form. And I'll give him credit for what he can do. But as far as being this elite threat that needs to go in the top 15, give me a break. If anybody, anybody takes him over rugs... Or Judy, their team should be absor- just dissolved. Just dissolve the team. And this is all being recorded, so if Denzel Mims ends up being one of the top wide receivers, then you can come back at me. But um, I don't know that I've ever really been super off so far. Not that I have a lot of really big anti-things, and we're going to talk about one of my biggest anti-draft um, prospects shortly. But, um, yeah, you, you go ahead and let me know if Denzel Mims ends up being the next great... I mean, who, who are even his comps? i got to see what some of his comps are. We'll see if he lives up to it. I'm trying to find a flattering comp, and I can't find one. Traquan Smith. The best I can find on Mock Draftable is Devontae Parker. Come on, man, all this big talk about Denzel Mims. Somebody's got to have a big comp for him. There we go, Alshon Jeffrey. He, he might be an Alshon. I don't know. Allshone is decent. I don't. I don't even think he's going to be an Alshon. I don't know. Anyways, whatever. We'll see. We'll we'll go ahead and track that one out. I'm sure you guys won't let me forget. Watch, he's going to get drafted by some top end team, and it's, it's going to be Ezekiel Elliott all over again. Anyways, I, I I have to have prospects that I don't like. It, it that's part of the fun too. You get certain guys that you really like. KJ Hamler is just. I'm I'm all about KJ Hamler. If he doesn't pan out, well then whatever. But it's also fun to have those guys where you just look at it and you're just. I'm I'm just. Putting my flag in, in the ground, man. Just saying, nope. Just just letting you know, I got my own little group over here. It's called Denzel Mims is not going to be a good wide receiver. If you want to come join the party, fine. If not, it's fine. It's kind of just about waving the flag. That's all it is. It's fun, man. Try it out. It's fun for me. I, I don't know. Maybe I just like judging people. I'm just judgy. Um, And then the other bit of news, and again, I don't know if I told you this, but it has been my contention for some time, and I've said I, I think it's weird it, it, it just doesn't feel right that he keeps falling and other guys are going up ahead of him. But Matt Miller put out, hearing from a lot of very different sources this morning, that Andrew Thomas could be the first offensive tackle off the board. Now, this is another tweet that is... I don't think anybody disputed he could be the first one off the board. Matt's acting like this is not that good of a prospect. I think he will be the first tackle off the board. Now, that's it's hard to predict that because every team is different. I'm guessing every team has different wants and needs. And if Gettleman with the Giants goes, he has a... Pension for really big guys, and you know you got Mikeai Becton, who was an absolute monster. So it it doesn't have to be, but I just I've always felt like Thomas. If I had to put my money down, who's going to go first? It's going to be Thomas. So I don't know. That'll be interesting. Not that I really care. Packers aren't going to get him, but it it just adds another dimension to things as well. There's so many different scenarios. This was the fun thing about doing the mock draft. So many different scenarios, and each one creates such massive ripples. I don't remember this ever happening before, depending on, because there's so many of one position, if one team, because if we assume, let's just say that there's four teams right here that all need tackles. If they all take tackles and they're gone, that changes the landscape. If two or three take tackles, then it's like, well, then this guy isn't going to be taken in the next four or so picks, and that means he makes it all the way out here. And then this guy, da 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 Same with wide receiver. There could be a real big run in this sort of range um but if there's not then it all gets kind of pushed back and then the Packers could possibly trade up and you know but then also not just if they go or when they go but who goes and a lot of that is just based on need and preference because there's a lot of different you know we talk about is Jerry Judy or C D Lamb better obviously my thoughts on that are Kind of irrelevant. You know, you know what I think about CeeDee Lamb, but it's it's they're very different types of receivers. And Henry Ruggs is an extremely different type of receiver. And Justin Jefferson is an extremely different type of receiver. Denzel Mims is a massively different kind of a prospect. KJ Hamler, massively different than those other five. I mean, this is six guys. Jalen Rager. All of these guys are very, very different. I mean, there's a little bit of overlap, but there isn't one prospect in the seven that I just listed that you would look at and say, these two are basically kind of the same. It's really not the case. Now, if you add T. Higgins in the mix, I would say Denzel Mims and T. Higgins are similar. A lot of people would disagree because of the athleticism aspect, but I think they're very similar in the way that they play. I think T. Higgins is a big-body guy. I think he's good at being a big-body guy. If you add in Ayuk, and again, I still have to go back and watch him before I make a final... Evaluation, but he probably overlaps with some of these guys. Maybe like a Judy to a lesser degree, or a Justin Jefferson. I'm not really sure, but you know, again, it, depending on your needs uh, and just your likes, everybody just has different likes, and then depending on who goes, somebody might end up falling. You know, I I I genuinely think it's possible Justin Jefferson can go very early. I think Justin Jefferson might not go as early as some people think because, and I you know, I one thing I need to do is watch his highlight reel because I broke down two. Different games when I did my Justin Jefferson tape because I wanted to see him do something else, never really saw him do it. It's weird because Justin Jefferson did what KJ Hamler, I, I thought KJ Hamler was going to do. He just works the shallow areas and he is elite, elite at getting that initial separation and just getting you those quick five, six, seven yards. I would love to have Justin Jefferson for that, but I have concerns about him you know, going getting bigger chunks. Anyway, I, I sh- maybe I should talk about that a little bit. I'm going off on little tangents here. Trying not to uh, mess up other things I wanted to talk about. But it, it, it is interesting, the, the the ripple effects. And then the quarterback ripple effects. I, I'm starting to feel much more comfortable in the idea that the top three are going early. And then after that, I don't know, uh, outside of maybe somebody like I did in my mock trading up to get a Love or a Hurts. There's a lot of talk about teams liking them. <sighs> I, I and, and again, a lot of this is bias, but I, I'm just, after watching Love, I can't imagine why somebody would, would be enamored with him. I've said, I, I like Hurts more than Love, and I'm not big on Hurts. I don't see any way in which you look at these guys and say they're first-round talents. Unless you just think that you can coach up the deficiencies and everything, but, I mean, when one of your deficiencies is you have games where you have like five interceptions, I'm sorry, I'm not touching that. Because that kind of stuff is is stuff that you can't coach out making those kinds of wild, bad decisions and having games where it just gets wildly out of control, you have completely lost control of the situation. That's that's To me, that's not really coachable. So I, I tend to think they're going to fall out, but that's another thing. What's going to happen with that? Linebacker is another one. How much do teams like linebacker? Who could end up falling? And then if they don't fall and they go early, well, that pushes back tackles. That pushes back wide receivers. So, I mean, I just think this is going to be a really, really fun draft from the perspective of Every time there's a pick, it's not just like, okay, cool, they took that. That's what we expected. Now let's continue. Come on, hurry up. Let's get to the Packers. Every pick is going to be, oh, wow, okay, so let's look at the ramifications. Let's look at the implications of what this means now. So, I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is actually going a lot faster than I thought, so we probably will end with my thoughts on some of those top wide receivers. But um, some tight end news. First of all, the Bears did release Trey Burton. Um, They had a lot of hope for Trey Burton. And to be completely honest, I would think it would be better to just hang on to Trey Burton and hope that things kind of turn around with him than to get Jimmy Graham and say, okay, we're good. We don't need Trey Burton. And to be completely honest, I wouldn't mind if we took a swing. I mean, he's, he would kind of fit with what the Packers have been doing, which is getting guys that are not super great, but at least we did something that seems to be the MO and they've covered everything. We'll talk about defensive tackle, but they've gone to just defensive tackle, linebacker, tackle, and wide receiver, the only potential kind of need, depending on what you think about Jace, and you know, some might be of the opinion we don't need any tight ends because we have Jace. But Jace hasn't proven anything yet, so if that's a need, this would be kind of a guttycunty thing, uh, you know, to do. And he, he hasn't been terrible. He was hurt last year, but he had, I guess, three-ish years of not being terrible. Two with Philly, at, you know, 2016, 2017 with Philly, and 2018 with Chicago. He was decent enough. The other guy everyone wants to talk about right now is O.J. Howard because of the craziness that happened yesterday. Um, If you somehow missed it, there was reports that came out that uh, Gronkowski was actually working out and was looking to get back in with a team. Literally five minutes after the reports that Gronkowski was considering coming back to the NFL, he he was a Buccaneer. I mean, it was just, it was done the uh the Patriots had done a deal to deal out his contract which is a fantastic thing for the Patriots because they just thought the guy was gone turns out they get a fourth rounder just out of nowhere he just comes back and he's like oh cool you get a fourth rounder out of me and so anyways the the, the biggest implications out of that because I, I you know I don't know whatever I'm sure he's gonna be great and Tom is gonna get I don't know if the Bucks are good this year I'm gonna be so mad but the question then is OJ Howard that's sort of the other one um And I think a lot of Packer fans are doing what a lot of fans tend to do when we talk about free agency, which is to take a guy that nobody really cares about any other time of the year, and then when it becomes possible that the Packers could pick him up, suddenly he becomes an elite tight end. It becomes this sort of no-brainer thing, like, oh, we gotta get him. Like, tell me something you know about O.J. Howard, other than he was taken in the first round a long time ago. And you probably remember him being really good at some point, and you're not really sure what the context of that was, but I remember he was a first-rounder. I remember he was really good at some point, and I know now that we have the opportunity to get him. And then our, our imagination takes over, and he's this top-end talent, because obviously we have to throw in the fact that the Buccaneers are bad and Aaron Rodgers is elite, so he's going to come here and become just this elite tight end, even though that's never happened in the history of the Packers picking up tight ends. But that's kind of where our imagination takes us. And I'm I'll, I'll admit I'm intrigued, but I also have questions. And just from a statistics standpoint, 2018 was a good was the one good year where you could say, you know, again statistically Trey Burton's best year and OJ Howard's best year and it was about the same. Trey Burton had 569 yards and 6 touchdowns. OJ Howard had 565 yards and 5 touchdowns. That's OJ Howard's best year. Now, granted he didn't play that entire year and his PFF grade was basically elite it was an 89.1 just ridiculous his receiving grade was a 90 he also had a decent pass blocking grade I mean he was just he was everything you wanted him to be and it was a breakout year right his first year he graded out as mediocre only had 400 yards six touchdowns and then he just broke out year two 2018 now statistically he didn't but you see this grade and you're like dude he's gonna be a freak what happened the next year 2019 he plays an entire year he gets 459 yards and one touchdown Well, they had so much talent everywhere. Okay, but his grades were also terrible. So PFF disagreed. Through Week 12, they gave him one good grade. One, and it was in the 70s. He had zero that were even in the 60s beyond that. The next highest grade he had through Week 12 was a 58.9. He had two games graded in the 40s. He had three games graded in the 30s. I'm talking terrible for more than the first half of the year through 12 weeks he was terrible his best game was probably 66 yards and no touchdowns next best game 47 yards and a touchdown and that was his only touchdown the entire year after that his grades got a little bit better but his best game 73 yards no touchdown so you got to explain how he lost an entire year on an offense that despite not being a great team um, they know how to just launch the ball around so maybe we can put this on Jameis but I mean, if, if if you're not a great quarterback, usually you you kind of tend to lean on your tight ends. So again, I'm intrigued. Six foot six, 251 pound tight end who runs a four five one. If you can explain away the 2019 season, he has that top end potential. 2017 and 2018, he had 16.6 yards per reception, 5.9 and 6.4 yards after the catch per reception, which is ridiculous. So on average, he's getting 16.6 yards every time he catches the ball. Six yards of that is after the catch. So, you know, again, intrigued, but not much beyond that. There are definitely question marks. And again, from a statistical standpoint, his statistics are not very good. The most touchdowns he's had in an entire year was his rookie year. He had six. The most yardage he's got, even as a guy who gets, who's a big play guy, which also scares me that why is it all big plays? yards per reception it just makes me nervous that he's a guy with 451 speed and the only thing he's really able to do is run past linebacker which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's kind of a one-trick pony that i'm guessing most defensive coordinators can take away relatively easy i mean there's plenty of guys in this draft that are nothing but speed that we can get in the third round that have the speed to run past linebackers on occasion but not much else the other aspect for O.J. Howard, and, and it's a huge benefit, and, and again, we're talking, I don't know what it's going to cost to get O.J. Howard, but the talk is, what if the Buccaneers just want to recoup that fourth that they got? Would you trade a fourth for O.J. Howard? And again, that's the, it's hard to say yes, it's hard to say no. You would have to talk to Gutekunst's personnel staff to see what they think. If they think that 2018 is a replicable year for a 25-year-old tight end, a fourth-round pick is a steal the only question then becomes we're trading for a for one year and that's the hard thing so you're not going to tra- so there's two options here one of the options is not to trade a fourth round pick for one year of oj howard that would be a waste of a fourth round pick now if you can get him for cheaper then fine it's a it's a one year trial for oj howard and then you can see if you can trade him later but ideally you're going to pick this guy up with the intention of being able to pay him next year, and if he does pan out, you're paying him a lot of money. Which, not that the Packers are opposed to that, and we haven't even begun digging into what their 2021 cap might look like, and I don't even want to do that because I don't know the implications of the new CBA and everything else, so I'll let the experts handle that for now. We'll revisit that at another point. But if we feel like we have a bunch of money, and the idea is that this isn't a one-year rental, this is is long-term, we want this guy locked up to be our guy and we believe he's going to be our guy, then again, it's it's a two-part situation. You're giving up a fourth-round pick with the intention of, of extending him and, and the potential of possibly giving him that $10 million a year contract, maybe even more. So, you know, again, it's hard to even have a starting point without having a, a an opinion on how good he is. But it's going to be a team that believes 2018 is replicable. It's going to be a team that wants to pay him long-term beyond this year, and I just don't know if the Packers are necessarily in that spot. Again, I think Trey Burton makes a little bit more sense, not that I necessarily want him, but similar stats. He's had really good years. He's kind of just a, a stopgap, you know, just in case Jace doesn't work out and we don't address it in the draft and whatever, and he's going to be cheap, and it's kind of a throwaway thing. Plus, you're not have to get, you don't have to give up any draft picks because he's just floating out there right now. So I, I'm just saying I would doubt it. If they do, then that's somewhat of a splash play. And by the way, it is kind of cheap, so it's not going to hurt our cap a ton. It's it's roughly about $2 million in base salary that I think we would have to pay, and I think the Packers can afford $2 bucks. So that, I guess that would be another dynamic. And again, you don't want to give up a fourth round pick for a one-year rental, but it would be kind of a, a one-year rental kind of situation. It's a potential top-end guy that you can get for $2 bucks. Again, though, the issue becomes next year, what do you do? And if, if that's all you get and then you lose them after that year, that, that kind of is a waste of a fourth-round pick, in my opinion. You don't do that for one-year rental. Although that's kind of what Tampa Bay's doing, I guess, but whatever. Tampa's being dumb. You're going to give away everything for really old guys that are only going to play about a year or two. Cool plan, bro. <laughs> Crazy. And if they give up O.J. Howard, that's even dumber. They're acting as though they, they've got one or two years to win a Super Bowl, and they're not even a playoff team right now. And you're going to give away a 25-year-old tight end. I don't know if they're going to. They shouldn't. But if they do, then I, I just they're just another team that deserves no credit for having any foresight. And deserves exactly what's coming to them. The final thing, and this is a little bit um, random, but I saw this pop up. And again, I don't want to... If you know who I'm talking about, that's fine. But somebody in Packers' Twitter kind of retweeted something PFF said and got really angry at them. Um... And I've had my issues with some of the things that these PFF guys have said, but I actually kind of understand what they're saying here. So the comment, I don't think I can, let me see if I can get this to work. All right, I can't make it work. I don't know. Every time I change something, change my computer, change my headphones, I can't get the uh, recording, the audio thing down. i got to mess with it for a while until I can find what's messed up. But anyways, let me just do this for you. So the point they're trying to bring up, Is And and what they're talking about, and again, we're we're completely pivoting, so if this sounds random, because it is. They're making the case, as many people have for a long time, about why you don't pay big money to running backs. Now, they're highlighting McCaffrey, and I'm not really sure why. That's a terrible example, but um, the basic premise that they're talking about is usually when people say that you're wrong and that you should pay running backs is that it doesn't make sense why wide receivers should get paid a lot of money and they highlighted Devontae Adams when they're getting 1,000 yards, but yet you don't pay a running back that gets 1,000 yards. Why isn't 1,000 yards a 1,000 yards? Production is production. So why is Devontae, you know, getting 17, 18-ish million, guys like that, but a running back shouldn't get their 14, 15-whatever million? That doesn't make sense. It kind of does, though. And again, Christian McCaffrey's a terrible example because he literally got about 3,000 total scrimmage yards because he had 1,000 yards through the air. And a thousand yard. Well, it was you know thirteen hundred and something or another. Let's just call it a thousand yards on the ground and a thousand yards through the air. So bad example. He's a better wide receiver than a lot of wide receivers. And the point they're highlighting is yardage is not as important, especially total yardage, as what they're utilizing, which is expected points. And all expected points is is how much did you help your team so let's say you run the ball a thousand times this is an exaggeration this has never happened but let's just say as an example to prove a point if you run up the ball a thousand times and get one yard per rush is that the same as Devonte adams getting a thousand yards averaging 15 yards per reception or whatever of course not. You're a terrible running back. You're only getting us one yard. And so they're they're actually highlighting it and saying, that's an example to prove a point, but they're saying if, if that's on four-yard runs, which a lot of guys who are 1,000-yard rushers are averaging about four yards per carry, that's pretty standard for a running back. And the point is, when you look at expected points, first and 10 is better than second and six. You're in a better situation on first and 10 and second and six. Now, I don't know to what degree. I'm not a expected points expert, I don't think second and six is terrible, but what they're saying is essentially you're going backwards, not that you wouldn't take it, but just from a statistical standpoint, and all all expected points is doing, this isn't really debatable, you're looking at every second and six situation for all of history, every first and ten situation for all of history, and first and ten is a better situation, when you're at first and ten, you have better odds of scoring than when you're at second and six. And so it shouldn't necessarily be rewarded for guys that are getting you four yards per carry to the same degree as a Devontae Adams getting 1,000 yards on these bigger plays that are actually helping your team get closer to scoring. And that's a big problem with running backs in general. If on average they're getting you four yards per carry, now granted all four yards are not created equal, right? If Four yards per carry, not every carry is on first down. If it's second and four and you get four yards, that's awesome. If it's third and two and you get four yards, that's awesome. But the point is, four yards on the ground, even if you get a lot of four yards on the ground, obviously you're getting a lot more carries than Devontae is getting receptions. It's on a play-by-play basis how much are you helping our team compared to a wide receiver. And and the fact of the matter is, this isn't even super debatable. Unless every single team in football is just dumb, the teams have run the same numbers and have come to the conclusion that wide receivers are more valuable than running backs. Now that Not all running backs are created equal, not all wide receivers are created equal. And Christian McCaffrey, I think, does deserve the money because literally... And I was shocked when I looked this up. I had to look at a couple different websites because I'm like, this isn't correct. He had 1,098 yards um, on the ground, which is five yards per attempt, which is worthy of paying a guy in and of itself. Now, how much is debatable. But he also had, um, I'm sorry, I'm I'm doing this wrong, looking at the wrong year, 1,387 yards on the ground, 4.8 yards per carry. He had 1,005 yards through the air. 8.7 yards per reception. So he has his value as a really good running back. He also is a 1,000-yard receiver. So he is one of the most valuable offensive weapons in all of football, and that's not really very debatable. So if And I didn't listen to the full context. If their debate is this is why you shouldn't pay Christian McCaffrey, that's dumb because you're defeating your own argument. But in general, a big part of the reason why you're not paying running backs big money, even if they're getting 1,000 yards is because that 1,000 yards is an accumulation. And it's a, a accumulation of a lot of plays that are not very valuable. That's also probably why a lot of teams, including the Packers, want to get their running backs catching the ball. Because that's where you get your value. That's where you justify Aaron Jones getting a big old contract. So fortunately, Aaron is at 4.5 yards per attempt. He got 1,200 yards on the ground. But again, compare that to when you look at 268 attempts, 4.5 yards per attempt, and Devontae's getting 13 yards per reception. Aaron is doing more. He's involved more. But when he does something, what does he do? And also, you have to look at replacement value. Aaron is getting you 4.5 yards per carry. How much more do you want to pay him than a guy you can pick up coming out of college that can get you four yards per carry? How much does that half a yard mean to you? So, you know, I'm just kind of explaining not even my thoughts on running back contracts, but why we're seeing teams not want to pay running backs and why Christian McCaffrey doesn't really even count in that equation. Christian McCaffrey is getting over a thousand yards through the air. So there you go. So PFF has said some really dumb stuff on their podcast in uh, recent times, but I don't think that this is, it's not even that it's not dumb. It's just not even debatable. It's It's a matter of As much as maybe they take statistics too far and get all nerded out and they do have sort of this elitist attitude, which is annoying because they know how to do basic math and addition and subtraction. They think that they're better than everybody. It's a a little obnoxious, but I think that this is a good point. And again, it's not just a theory. This is what we're seeing fleshed out in the NFL. It's not a matter of if or why they should. It's a matter of why it is. Teams don't pay running backs and the ones that do regret it. There's also another dimension, which is that running backs do not last as long. I mean, right at about the time you're looking to pay them is right at about the time they're about to peak. I don't know if this is still true, but I remember a long time ago looking at different peaks for different positions. Running backs is one of the first to start falling off, and it's at, I want to say, like 26. So after 26, you're falling off, and that's right around the time you're getting your, your big contract. So maybe you give them a contract and you get one or two more good years, and then the decline starts. That's not a great way to start off a big $10, $12 million a year contract. And just to address one of the comments, there's a lot of comments that are, I I just think, misguided here. But one of the comments is they should run the graph on what happens when your quarterback gets murdered because two addressers have your ears pinned back on all three downs. We're not talking about never running the football. We're talking about you don't have to pay a guy $15 million to run four yards on first down. Because anybody can do that. Go get a different one that's not as much money. You don't need to pay this one guy. He's not the only running back in the world. Get a different one pay him two million dollars let him run for four yards so n- not correct not talking about a one-dimensional offense anyways I don't know that just I I, it, I thought it was a weird thing to get really angry about because it's just just kind of basic facts and again it is happening it's not nerds saying this is why the NFL is wrong it's nerds explaining why it's happening just so you know this is why we don't pay running backs and it's also why it's always a bad decision to pay running and you're gonna fight to the death on that it's been proven. The battle's already won. This is like riding up to, to come to a battle and everybody on your side is already dead and there's a massive army they're celebrating and you come charging out like, rah, let's get them boys. It's like there, there's no boys. Everybody's dead. There's nothing here for you to fo- Well, All right, I guess you're, best of luck to you. There he goes. <laughs> it's weird, just just weird to me. Anyways, um, let's wrap this up very quickly with my thoughts on each of the seven wide receivers I've looked at and hopefully we can get a couple more I want to start with my top wide receiver and that is Mr. Jerry Judy and he is my top because actually let's marry this with the one interesting thing that I heard from Brian Gutekunst um, in his interview there was a lot of things you know a lot of talk about the ability to move around and that that's cool he does say that that they believe they have the ability to move around somebody had said and this is the one thing I was really listening for and apparently just missed is that they're not going to wait around long. If they feel that there's somebody there that they want, they're going to go up and get them, which is cool and it's exciting, but it's also kind of expected. I think every team kind of operates in that fashion, but he's also assuring us that we have the ammunition if we decide to move up. Okay, cool. The one big takeaway I took was, the question was asked, you've been taking a lot of really big guys lately. Is that a measure of what you're into, or is that more of just, it is what it is, the board fell how it fell? Now, I don't necessarily agree with what he's saying, or I should say believe what he's saying. He's saying that's mostly just chance. We just want guys that can play football, which is oh, that's exactly the answer I want to hear. Because I'm tired of the, he's really big and really fast, and you know, look at the RAS, and look at this, and look at that. He's saying, I don't care about that. I just want guys that can play football. Boom. Perfect answer. Now, the problem is, he's already commented on how he likes bigger receivers because they hold up better physically. They don't break down as much. But let's just leave that aside. Um... I love that answer. Beyond that, though, he elaborated on what kind of a wide receiver they want. He said, we want guys that can do everything. And that is telling because some guys just do some things. Again, Denzel Mims. Now, maybe they disagree. They might take Mims because they believe he can do everything. I believe Mims is a sort of one-dimensional guy. I think T. Higgins is a one-dimensional guy. He cannot do everything. He can do one thing or one group or category of things really well, but he can't do everything. And so when I, when I was watching these guys, it's number one thing. Can you separate? Starting with Jerry Judy, 100,000% he can separate. He's got a lot of speed. That's evident. When you watch all these guys, and I would encourage you, if you're going to do it, do it in one sitting. Don't do one a day. Because it's got to be fresh in your mind. Even things as, as, as much as when you watch speed. right? I watched Rayquan Davis, and I really admired him. And then you go and watch Javon Kinlaw, and you can just see a vast difference in speed. Because you're used to just watching this guy and how he comes off the ball over and over and over. And you just become accustomed to that's what happens. So when you watch somebody else, and I think I watched CeeDee Lamb first, and then Jerry Judy, and you just see the speed coming off the line, and it's just different. And there's no question when you watch it, he's got a lot of speed. And so he has speed. I showed examples of him being able to win deep with speed which is a rare trait not many guys on just go routes are going to run past people very rare trait he has that ability he has the ability to win uh with his footwork he can win shallow right short passes right off the line get that quick little slant route he can win with that he can win deeper you know so short intermediate and deep you, you need to be able to win in all those areas, in my opinion. You Look at guys like Mims. I don't know if he's going to win short and intermediate much. I think he's, I mean, you can with your big body, and everybody can win on a screen. But there's a certain art to being able to get off the line and separate quick so that you can get those quick passes. Not a lot of guys can do that, and I think that's an underrated thing. And I, as I said, when I did my Justin Jefferson tape, that's my A number one thing that I want a guy to be able to do. Win instantly off the line, get that quick five, six yards, because that's what makes your team unstoppable. That's what the Packers did back in the day. Not only did they have the the Greg Jennings that can win deep, but you had the Donald Driver and the Randall Cobb that just automatic on those slant routes. So we can beat you with a screen, we can beat you with a slant, we can beat you with a go, we can beat you in a million different ways. No matter what, there's a guy that's going to get open. And the Packers need to get back to that. And they have Devontae who can do that. We need more guys that can do that. Not just MVS, who once every 50 plays is going to be able to win deep. Not Geronimo, who once every 30 plays is going to get that you know 10-yard nice little 10-yard pass to move the sticks, which is great, but we need more consistency and we need you to be able to do more stuff because it's just easy to take away if you're a one-trick pony because the the, the film breakdown is super simple. And again, with Jerry Judy, he can do everything. He can do all those things. I have no concerns about that. Now, what, how good of a receiver he's going to be, I don't know. I'm sure when you get to the NFL level, everything gets harder. So you're not as fast. You're not as good of a route runner. You're not as good as any of these things. So his ceiling is sky high, but, you know, who knows? He might just be decent. But I have very little doubt that he's going to be productive. It would be surprising, I guess. It's possible. C.D. Lamb, I just have a lot of problems with. He doesn't have the ability really to separate. And if he does, it's on nuance, and there's a lot of nuance. And part of the problem I have is that some of that nuance is pushing off which some people do that, and it's kind of an art form and all that kind of stuff. But I just have a problem with guys that, and it's it's similar to what you see with Denzel Mims, how he uses his body. He'll kind of slow down so that the ball is just over his shoulder. I mean, guys have made a big career out of that, who don't have a lot of speed. that are able to just use their body and all this kind of control and all that stuff. I just don't trust it at the next level. I don't trust that it's 100% going to translate. Same with Mims, we saw examples of him just bullying people and winning, and then at the very end of that clip, the last play, you got a cornerback that just didn't put up with it and just bullied him right back, and Mims was just done. And so if it's that simple to say, listen, just don't get bullied, just get more physical, get big and strong with him, and and he's done. If he's going to push you, you push him back. Don't let him extend his arms and push you off, you push into him. You know, I mean, just imagine that going up against a guy like Richard Sherman. I mean, he's going to make you look like a little punk. But anyway, so so I... I, (sighs) I don't even like commenting on cd lamb because i'm just i'm way on the opposite end of it i i just i have really no interest i'm just more interested in i I believe he's gonna have a good career just because of what everybody's saying and i I believe that there's a lot of nuance that i'm missing so i'm excited to kind of watch him this season see what it is he does well and hopefully try to learn something because i'm obviously missing something massive because i've watched a lot of tape on cd lamb i did my old breakdown and i'm just i'm just watching it going okay so what He's not doing anything. I don't I don't know what to say. But anyways, that that's that's a whole I don't even want to comment on CD Lamp. We'll see. Uh Justin Jefferson. My biggest concern with him is that I believe he's one-dimensional. I don't every single play in two games with the exception of just a couple is him running quick little out routes, quick little slant routes. And he is just dominant. I mean, it's automatic, and I love that. And again, that's a number one. That is the number one thing. And as soon as I saw him do that, and saw how well he was able to do that, and his footwork reminds me of Devonte. The way that he gets off the line, as I said in the video, he kind of like hops, which is a weird thing. But Devonte does the same kind of technique. I don't, I don't know, I don't know the terminology for that or whatever. But you know, Jerry Judy is a firm plant your foot in the ground and launch out of it. And Justin Jefferson has kind of this more, you know pop and pop kind of thing. It's it's weird, but he's very very good at it. But as the video went on, it's like, all right, I've seen that. I want to see something else. Can you win deep? Can you get these intermediate things? And with about there's about two examples of him running into a vacated zone, which I again, a lot of people, that's going to be on a lot of highlight reels and it gives a lot of yards and stats and everyone gets excited about it. I have no interest in a guy that's able to run into a vacated zone. In other words, there's a wide open area in the middle of the field. He runs into the middle of it and catches a pass. That's not impressive. And so If Justin Jefferson can do that, and there's just not a lot of evidence of them utilizing him in that manner, but he absolutely can, I am a massive Justin Jefferson fan. But I just never saw it, and it makes me nervous. I didn't see him win deep, and I don't think he's a very physical receiver. The couple times I did see him try to go down the field... And they just launch it up to him on a 50-50. It was a joke. I mean, he just had no chance. And the cornerback didn't even look like he was struggling at all to make that not happen. So that's my concern with him. I don't think he's very well-rounded. I think he's dominant, almost as just like a slot receiver. You just, you just, I mean, he he kind of is. But you just leave him in the slot and get that little, and that's, it's funny because that's how I viewed K.J. Hamler. But I think K.J. Hamler has way more versatility than Justin Jefferson. He doesn't have as good of a build, but, you know, I, I just, I just worry that, Is that all Justin Jefferson can do? And I'll take that, but I'm not going to make him my number two, number three, number four receiver because he can run a mean slant route. I just, I can't get on board with that. And, And the beginning, you can see the evolution of me watching Justin Jefferson. When I start the video, I'm gushing over this guy and how excited I am. And then by the time it's over, it's like, dude, do something else. Please do something else. I need to see something. And there's just nothing. So again, I want to go back. I just want to watch highlight reels to see if I can see because they just show the better plays, and I want to see if any of those really good plays are him beating somebody down the field or anything. There's got to be a couple. Um, Mims, I already talked about. I'm just I can't get into it. Henry Ruggs, I like a lot. Um, he's not as good of a route runner as Jerry Judy is, but he has that ability to separate. And I, I even showed example of. Even times when it's not the cleanest route in the world, his speed is so ridiculous that he just flies away from people. It's one of those things when when you watch him, you're just kind of laughing because it's like it's so ridiculous how much better he is than this corner. And, and, And sometimes it's just speed, and you don't like a guy that has just speed. We've seen how the NFL can take that away. But he does have enough ability to create separation with his footwork. And again, even when it's sloppy, it still works. We know he can win deep. And so I'm I'm all about it. I, I by the time I got this far into it, it was Jerry Judy and then very close behind that was Henry Ruggs because Jerry Judy just has more of a well rounded skill set, which I trust more. Henry Ruggs has a higher ceiling because if, if if it translates to the degree that it has the potential to translate, he could be he could legitimately be the top wide receiver in football. There's always that that fear that he's just a speed guy and they're going to take that away and he's going to have a terrible career. So maybe a lower floor than Judy, but a higher ceiling than Judy. But I really like Henry Ruggs a lot. Very, very dangerous receiver. With Jalen, there is concern about his size and physicality, but I don't think that's what you get him for. He can win with his footwork. I believe that he can. You don't see as much of it as you'd like. I'd like to see him do more Justin Jefferson type stuff and just win off the line. But he's got a lot of speed. And there, there's a question about, well, he ran slow at his 40 time. But then at his combine, he ran really fast. And it's like, well, I don't believe the combine time. Or the, the excuse me, the pro pro day time. But I also don't really believe. Just believe your eyes. And again, it, it's I don't know how to judge speed just sitting down and watching a guy. But when you watch all these wide receivers together, you get kind of a sense of what speed looks like. Jalen Rager has speed. I'm putting him on the same tier as about a Jerry Judy, at least. And again, you can just see him fly past. He has speed there's no question in my mind and he also has versatility so he's bringing already more than justin jefferson and i understand you know maybe not having him as high as justin jefferson but you look at the versatility about being able to run end arounds, jet sweeps you know crossing routes slant routes go routes I don't think he's very good after the catch. I mean, a lot of these guys, they have speed, you know, so they can win with speed after the catch if if he's got the open area. But if you want to run, for example, a wide receiver screen, I don't really trust him that much because he kind of goes down on first contact. But on the list of things I care about, his ability to be physical matters a lot less. I don't care if you're a great receiver that catches the ball and usually goes down on first contact. Yards after the catch is important, but you got to catch the ball first. And if you're getting open and you're catching the ball, and on occasion you get great, I mean, he's probably going to have really good statistics in yards after the catch because those couple times when he breaks away for 20 additional yards is going to compensate for those times when he gets tackled on first contact. So it'll average out in his favor. But again, I I, I would like to see a little bit more of what I became, started calling the Justin Jefferson route, which is essentially a slant route. But just the short, quick routes like that, not, not gimmicky stuff. Again, he runs a lot of these jet sweeps and wide receiver screens to kind of do the short type stuff I want to see short to intermediate actual routes as in you run forward first not starting behind the line of scrimmage. so that would be one kind of question because I don't like guys that are only going to give you big plays and trick plays and that would be my concern with Jalen Rager is this you're either going to get us a 20 yard reception and then occasionally we're going to run you on these little gadget plays, but you don't offer much short to intermediate because that is a need for me I need to see that but again, if, if that's the case, I'm putting him well above Justin Jefferson. I'm putting him below Henry Ruggs. I'm a huge Jalen Rager fan, but you got to answer that one question for me. Do you trust his ability to get off the line, beat a guy immediately off the line, and just get open quickly? I think he can do it. So essentially we're talking about route running and initial burst as opposed to straight line speed, right? He, it's it's just one of those things where... Down deep, he builds up speed and gets away from people. Whereas Jer- Jerry Judy explodes off the line and uses his technique to get off the line and beat somebody in the first couple seconds and be wide open. So I'm a big Jalen Rager fan, but if that's all you think he is, is gadget plays and deep throws, I'm not as big on Jalen. So it, it just kind of comes down to your assessment. If if, if I'm Gouda Kunsten, that's my assessment with my team, that he's going to get you the deep routes and you can use him on gadget stuff. I'm not very high on Jalen Rager. I'm probably not going to take him. Um, and then the final guy I looked at was K.J. Hamler, who is just, he's just my favorite. Now, the biggest problem, and I didn't realize this till the end, is I was watching 2018 Tate, but I just, you know, I understand he's small. I get it. And I understand that scares people, but I, I just, he's my favorite wide receiver. I watched him against Ohio State, one of the better DB groups in the entire country, go up against who I think is Sean Wade. He was wearing number 24, but it was 2018, and they changed their numbers a lot. I could be wrong, but Sean Wade, um, elite. He is on the same tier as Jeff Okuda. Um, at, at, currently, anyways, he is considered a 2021 top 10 pick. If you go look at my uh, packernet.weebly.com, I've got my 2021 big board. Sean Wade is right there at number nine. He goes up against Sean Wade and just beats him. Now, again, maybe that's not him, but either way, go watch the tape of KJ Hamler and tell me you just don't love the guy. He can win immediately off the line, no question. So he does what Justin Jefferson does. He also does what Jerry Judy does. He also does what Denzel Mims does. He's got speed on top of speed on top of speed. He is so fast. He is so sharp out of his route. He is the complete and total package. And again, If you're worried about him, first of all, can you not put him out wide? Because I, I do want a guy that can go out wide. Now, if you can't, you can't. We got Funches. And it's not it's not the end of the world to have your best wide receivers be a slot guy and a out wide. The, the problem is when you go in two wide receiver sets, which let's just say that's roughly 50% of the time, you've got a one of your best players on offense sitting on the bench half the time. Or you have to force yourself into three wide receivers, which, to be fair, I don't think, you know, it, it, a lot of people would come at this from the standpoint of Matt LaFleur likes to do two wide receiver sets. That's his M.O. Because it's the Shanahan, blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing, though. It's adaptable. Shanahan runs that because his best player is a tight end. And he's got another really good player that's a fullback. So he has his fullback on the field a lot. And he's lacking real talent at wide receiver. So, of course, that's his formation. How about we look at the Rams for a moment? The Rams run the exact same offense, but it's an adaptation. Their strength with that wide receiver, they ran three wide receiver sets more than just about any team in football running a Shanahan offense. So don't give me this garbage about we have to fit it into this tiny little square peg, round hole nonsense. Well, we have to run two wide receivers, so we have to get an... You don't have to do anything. And if Matt LaFleur has no ability to adapt, then that's a problem. So I'll acknowledge that KJ is smaller and that he may just be a pure inside guy, which I don't know if I agree with. I mean, again, if you've got that much speed and that much, you know, ability, I don't, I don't, I trust him on the outside. I think he can do it. Either way, I just, I'm, you know, I don't think we're gonna get him because, despite uh, Gudikum's comments, I do think that size isn't as is a impactful thing for him I think he likes bigger guys they hold up better that's why he's been doing this as much he says no we just want good football players no nah, I don't think so I think there's a high correlation between athleticism RAS and size and I think that's on purpose but whatever point is I like KJ Hamler a lot so that's another one I'm just I'm just waving the flag man you guys can throw it back in my face if he doesn't have a good career but I just I just don't know how you watch him and not just think that he's just elite 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 if you're not buying it, again, go, go to the Facebook group. Go to the Facebook page and watch the video and tell me where I'm wrong. Going up against the best corners in football and just leaving them in, this, in their dust. And it's not just straight line speed. Sometimes it's speed, but it's also the routes. and It's just, ooh. Mmm. And then the breakaway speed. There's a, there's one play in particular where he's just coming across the middle. Beats, I believe, Sean Wade. Catches the ball. Runs past two other guys just with blazing straight line speed and gets like a 60-yard touchdown. I mean, just you want to talk total package. That that is total package. So, anyways, I'm way over time. I'm not. I'm getting so into this. I'm not paying attention to what time it is. I gotta go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Again, make sure you're in the group and like the page because I'm planning on doing more videos if you want to see them. Enjoy your Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Goodbye.